2: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today.
0: Hey there, joystick wagglers. We're about to reach the end of Series 1 of Games Master, and we're going to do a special Series 1 wrap-up episode talking about our favorite celebs, challenges, reviews, consultation zones, moments, and many more. But... We can't do it without you, so email in your favourite and least favourite moments from Series 1 of Games Master to feedback at underconsultation.com or tweet us at underconsolepod. You can send us an MP3 of your thoughts, or you can call 20 32902 and leave a voicemail with your feedback we'll be playing your thoughts on the show so get in touch and you that's right you could be featured on our series 1 wrap up episode of under consultation or if you don't want your voice heard put it down in words on an email or a tweet and we'll read those out too the only thing we ask is to tell us what your favorite bit of music from this era of gaming is right on with the show And welcome to our kingdom This is Under Consultation An episode by episode podcast guide Through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show Games Master I am one of your hosts Luke Owen A Lancashire hot pot of a podcaster
3: And thrilling to the sound of leather on willow I am Ash
0: Versus This episode took place on the 3rd of March 1992 Our number one film at the box office Is Star Trek 6 The Undiscovered Country And Shakespeare's Sisters Stay is still number one in the charts There's not much more to say about Shakespeare's Sisters stay. No. Um, we did say we were going to watch that Graham Norm performance. We still haven't. So maybe we'll do that forever. I did. Oh, you did. Tell you what. Let's call it up. <laughs> and then we'll skip ahead to your reactions.
3: So Three and a bit minutes change
0: later, you've now watched the Graham Norton performance. Yes, I have. 50% good. 50% good, yeah. I mean, it's it's all vowels. Like There (laughs) is no consonants in any of that song. It is the worst game of countdown you've ever played. (laughs) Top comment here on this video that we watched was like, they are 60 and 66 and look and sound great. They, they, they sound like they're 60 and 66. In fairness to them, when we got to the bit where she
3: does the high note, mm-hmm. that's when she suddenly finds her confidence and she actually just, like, opens the taps, that's you it. know, yeah, and just, completely. like, puts the taps on full, lets the bath flood over a bit. Yeah. She oh, wait, is... that was a different music video. <laughs> Never mind. But she is nervous as hell at the start of that. Understandable, because, I mean, they only started talking to each other again after the split in, like, 93. They started talking again in 2018. Yeah. Then this, then they toured in twenty nineteen, and they they are technically still together as an act, mm-hmm. as I checked, like as of recording. Yeah, <laughs> as of <a> recording, recording. <laughs> they're
0: not doing anything, but they're also not not doing anything. Yeah. So technically still together. Yeah. Uh, but you kicked us off with the uh, production history of Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country on last week's episodes. Do you want to take us through the next bit? I can t- give you a very potted
3: history of the actual production. Uh, this movie was made kind of on the cheap. Virtually all the major models were recycled. The Enterprise model was a refit of the same model they've been using since the motionless picture. Mm -hmm. And they essentially, they literally filled in the cracks and and relit it. The Bird of Prey was the same one used in Star Trek 4, the same one they slung shot around the sun. Uh, That was heavily damaged because when they did that whole thing of throwing it through the sun to travel in time, they were like, we need to make it look scorched. Let's cover it in... Like, paint mixed with black rubber cement. That'll clean off easily. Spoilers, kids! <laughs> if you want to do temporary weathering on your Gunpla Gundam kits, don't use black paint mixed with rubber cement, because no. it bonded, <laughs> particularly under the studio lights. So yeah. they had to scour it off. Ooh. But they did a refit of that. All the other models were refits. It was made for $27 million. It's
0: okay. It's a pretty, mid-range, yeah.
3: mid-range movie. For 1992, uh, 1992, yeah. Yeah, but for a movie that was an action movie, sci-fi movie, actually still yeah. a moderately low budget. Production went relatively smoothly. There were egos on set, yada, yada, yada. With William Shatner involved.
0: <laughs> to be honest, more than just Shatner.
3: Yeah, well, all yeah, of them, I was going to
0: say every single one of them, yeah. You know, DeForest
3: Kelly, Leonard Nimoy, they, they all had egos, and at that point in their careers, justifiably so. As I think I mentioned before, if you want the full production history, 50-year mission is... The tits.
0: Mark A. Altman's fantastic, fantastic book.
3: And I heartily recommend the Audible version purely because you are already going to sacrifice at least 50 hours of your life to those two volumes. Yeah. Having someone else read it for you makes it a lot easier. We're still waiting on
0: that Audible sponsorship as well, I think. Oh, (laughs)
3: man. As we discussed a bit about the writing, the plot is the Cold War, yada, 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 Kirkpot on trial for an attempted terrorist attack against the Klingons, civil war with the Klingons, goes to a prison planet shenanigans bit of a fight really hilarious scene where he kicks an alien in the knees and discovers that's where the alien's genitals are <laughs> yeah. first star trek movie i saw at the cinema and that's the bit that sticks in my head <laughs> is an alien with genitals in his knees why not why not why not and the film came out it came out to very warm reviews like people liked it uh in the face of the previous film, The Final Frontier. Which is bad. Oh, it's very bad. Not as bad as it could have been, but it's bad. Yeah, yeah. They didn't actually fight Jesus Christ on the bridge of the Enterprise, which was the original plan. Yeah. Critics liked it. Audiences liked it. Depending on who you believe, Gene Roddenberry either did or didn't like it just before he died. He never saw it released in the cinemas, but allegedly saw a cut that was 90% done. Yeah. If you believe some people... He gave it a seal of approval. If you believe others, he called his lawyers and asked for 15 minutes of footage to be removed. Wow. Mm, The truth actually could be both, as covered in the book. Gene Roddenberry was a complicated individual. Yeah. So budget of 27 million. Box office 96.9 domestic wow domestic that's big man that is it made 20 million on the opening weekend yeah that's huge that like for 1992 as well that's big yeah that that means first week it made its budget back yeah what are your thoughts on star trek 6
0: i love star trek 6 man i I, wrath of khan is you know tippity top like voyage home is my top is my favorite then it's wrath of khan and then it's probably undiscovered country I think it's a great film. I really enjoy it. Uh, of the original run, anyway, because once you get, like, I-, I love the Abrams Trek, the first one. I thought it was terrific. wasn't that keen on Into Darkness, but loved Beyond. Mm-hmm. I thought Beyond was absolutely smashing.
3: I'm with you on the top three of the original crew. Mm-hmm. Although, weirdly, even though I would definitely have The Voyage Home as my first, uh, Rathakana second, and this is a third... I am more likely to watch the first and the third than the second.
0: Yeah, I think because that's Because they're yeah.
3: fun. Wrath of Khan is not a fun movie. And also those goddamn worms in the ear just, <laughs> fuck no. Still now, still no. squicks me out. But no, it was released. They knew it was going to be a success beforehand. And so they were already looking at the cast for a sequel. Shatner, Nimoy, DeForest Kelly, they were like, now, nah, mate, we're done. We we are literally too old for this. Supporting cast, Sulu, Uhura, um, Chekhov, and all that, they were just like, we'd like a go. <laughs> <Another> <laughs> I was, one, please. Uh, I, I was in charge of the Excelsior. Can I have another go around, please? And they realized, though, that they would need to hand the torch over. And then that leads us into generations, which may well come back to haunt us in the future, because I'm fairly certain it did number one at the box office. Over here, I would here. have thought it did. It's just whether it coincides with when Games Master
0: was on air. Yeah, it's a real Russian roulette. This number one at the box office <laughs> thing. Uh, well, there were no big games released in the week uh, that we're covering here in 1992. Is there anything in the magazines?
3: Yes, indeed, there was, because now we are into the March magazines. We say goodbye to the That's February right, tomes, yes. and at this point. We've got a bit of an about turn on the Super Nintendo.
0: Have we now? Because
3: they reveal that actually, our Super Nintendo is going to look like a Super Famicom after all.
0: Really? Yes.
3: <laughs> now, it was me, Machines that I think dunked quite heavily on the Japanese Super Famicom. That's
0: it, yes. They thought it was too kiddie, and they thought that the American one was sort of sexy and sleek.
3: Whereas over in computer and video games... They just say, internally, the machine will be identical to its American and Japanese cousins, except, of course, it will be configured to run on UK PAL titles. But it's going to look pretty much like the classic Super Famicom we know and love. We know and love. Of course, like most news articles in CVG and Wii machines, there is no authors attributed to these news articles. Mm Mm-hmm. But the two magazines had about 75% of the same goddamn writing style. <laughs> yeah. But maybe that's it. Maybe me Machines just didn't like the Famicom as a house style because it was cutesy. Yeah. And they were grrr.
0: That's it. Yeah. They well, were, we, the Mega Drive was out. The Mega Drive was this sort of like sleek, sexy thing. You know, it was like just pure black and it with, you know, some sparks of color on there. And the Famicom doesn't, is, is almost like the complete opposite to that. It follows on
3: from the NES and the Famicom, of being something that looks fairly comfortable and safe under your television. Yeah. Mega Drive is a sports car look, it's dangerous, you don't want to take corners in it, it's just a bit mean looking. There is also a little bit of news in here, uh, mentioning that Nintendo reckon they'll be launching a CD drive for the American SNES in 1993, at the ridiculously low price of $199. Nintendo also acknowledged the design changes with their adverts, which now say It'll be worth its weight in gold and 32,767 other colours. And the controller it is. is now the Japanese colourings, but with the American Super Nintendo logo. We're going to get a big feature on
0: the Super Nintendo in next week's episodes.
3: Big is a relative term, but yes, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, it yeah. will certainly be
0: featured. Yes, I, I have opinions on that already. They They, pull, they bring back that classic... We're going to look at all the 16-bit consoles. They did it once. They were like, oh, yeah, we didn't do that, did we? We didn't do it. I'll do it on our final episode. I wonder if some was cut for time. Well, bear in mind, they'd already sort of done the Mega Drive one because they had that big PR fluff piece where they were sort of about how great the marketing was.
3: I suppose, yeah, they did Mega Drive. They did do Neo Geo. Neo Geo
0: was one of was a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So they they kind of covered all three at that point. Yeah, to a degree, But not yeah. equally. No.
0: The Mega Drive wasn't a great piece,
3: Spoilers, I'm not overly enamoured with the Super Nintendo PC either. Yeah, but we'll get to that next week. Oh yes, that is way off in the future.
4: Hello and and welcome to Games Master. If it's 6.30 and it's Channel 4, then get ready for the most succulent half hour of the week. If you're not tuned to Channel 4, then I suggest you get your television fixed because you're picking it up somehow. If it's not 6.30, then you are in fact dreaming about me, which is intensely flattering, but doesn't help the ratings.
0: And this episode kicks off with Dominic Diamond at his organ, tells us that it's 6.30 and it's Channel 4, the most succulent half an hour of the week. However, if you're not tuned into Channel 4, then your aerial has a problem. And if it's not 6.30, then you're dreaming about me, which is flattering, but it doesn't help the ratings. Depends what sort of ratings you're talking about,
3: really. You know, Britain's most sexy 6.30pm TV presenter... Probably helps the ratings considerably there.
0: Yeah, coveted title. As a man who is now in my mid-thirties, I quite i got a pop out of you know talking about ratings and stuff. I was like, hey, you you not watching the show is not helping our ratings in 1992. But I'd imagine when I was six years old watching, it being like, what? What's a rating?
3: Yeah, I would just like, people review this show. <laughs> Turns out they do. <laughs> And it's me. (laughs) Um, But also made a reference to it being a Lancashire hot pot of a show. Oh, yes. Which I thought was a really weird comparison to draw, given what a Lancashire hot pot actually is, which is essentially a stew that was cooked over a very long period of time because everyone was too busy working to actually do in-depth cooking. Oh, it's bloody lovely, though. Oh, it's lovely, but it is also made of the scrag ends of lamb. (laughs) And essentially just stewed until it's tender now don't get me wrong i love a good hot pot but it's a weird comparison for a show that that in many ways has so much attention to detail the comparison is basically i'm saying doesn't hold up because lancashire hot pot was forget about it and just stir it and stop it sticking to the bottom of the pan whereas games master well it looks like it was a fairly complicated beast to
0: produce i am the son of scouse parents uh so just any reference to (laughs) lancashire is just a welcome to my ears really and it just makes me think of me mum's cooking of a, a beautiful pan of scouse that is just absolutely bloody lovely that i sorely miss as a vegetarian I'll tell you what, let's head on over to Games Master and find out what our first challenge of the show is, because he tells us the Gamesmaster rules the circuit with a somewhat fluffy rod. Lovely guy. <laughs> Greetings.
5: I am absolutely delighted that you've decided, once again, to pitch your skills against one of my little challenges. Let's hope you've got what it takes to be successful. First off this week, I thought we'd have some fun on zany golf. A miniature windmill, Telescopic walls, these are just some of the oddities you'll need to negotiate if you're going to win. The person who completes the most holes without running out of shots will be the victor. So keep a steady hand and beware of those yips.
0: So our first challenge is zany golf for the Amiga, and it's got a lovely little twist on this. It's a father and son challenge, because Adam is going to be taking on his dad, Freddie Mercury.
3: Yeah, Dominic describes this as an as a challenge with an Oedipal pent, and I just realised you made a Freddy Mercury. Rep. I was so focusing on going, how do I say
0: this word? Oedipal? Edible? Yeah, edible. Edible. That's, edible. Oh, that's like edible. It's an edible. I don't think you get an edible complex.
3: Dominic Diamond said that it has an Oedipal bent to it which raises more questions than it answers because, okay, father-son challenge, but what does that mean that Adam is thinking about his mother? (laughs) I'm pretty sure that Dominic Diamond makes an incest joke.
0: It's
4: very good to to see, how shall I say the older games player on the show. Who plays the most games in the house then? Oh, he does, definitely.
0: Right, but you still wrestle the joystick off him now and again? Constantly. Because he asks if he wrestles the joystick out of his son's hands. And knowing how Dominic Diamond talks of joysticks, that to me feels like an incest joke.
3: I mean, I see where you're coming from.
0: so mm, to speak. So to speak.
3: Uh, but I think that may be you reaching a little bit <laughs> because I think even Dominic Diamond has some standards because also he seems very sympathetic to Adam, who is absolutely freaking it. He is so He's scared. Tiny. But yes, yeah, you mentioned his dad, Nigel.
0: There's some bold fashion choices going <laughs> on here. Is. Now, back in episode one, you said that Tony Wright had a regrettable moustache. <laughs> Do you want to take that back now and put praise onto that moustache and turn our attention to Nigel's? No,
3: for two simple reasons, or two people. Okay. Mike Hager. Yeah. Ravishing Rick Rude.
0: (laughs) Rick Rude gets away with it. So it's Hager, I suppose. Nigel does not get away with this one.
3: No, but this is the peak time. If you look, Rick Rude was still going at this point. Final fight was out there. Yeah, yeah. This is a good time to have this unfortunately when you combine it with the sleeveless t-shirt oh yeah and man those jeans have got a high waist yeah yeah they do i mean they're 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 jumpsuit pants almost it it it's a very brave choice almost like he was at home going
0: i'm going on this show with my kid what's fashionable (laughs) i figured he was just a queen fan i figured that he was someone who was massively into queen and wanted to look like his hero no adam how do you fancy your chances against your dad?
4: Who usually wins at the games? Well, usually it's me, but sometimes my dad can win it. It depends what type of game it is, really.
0: But you're right about Adam, that he is so, so scared. Like, it's a brilliant interview because Don home says, like, you know, who usually wins at home? And he's like, well, usually I do, but it depends on what game we're playing. I was like, oh, my heart went out for this kid. It was an amazing answer.
3: Yeah, and I'm sure, like, as, as spoilers as we find out, I guess one of those games where he doesn't win is Zany Golf, <laughs> yeah. which is a game I actually had a copy of. I was
0: looking over it. It got great reviews when it came out
3: across the board. Confession time, I had a hooky copy of it. Oh, really? On the PC, on a 3.5-inch floppy disk. But I loved it because mm-hmm. golf games, unless they're getting a bit wacky like Outlaw Golf or Mario Golf, I can take or leave crazy golf games, particularly ones which do really ludicrous. I'm all on board for because there's fun with the physics. There is a quite a degree of skill in judging angles and stuff, particularly if you don't necessarily have a guiding dotted line. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And at the time, this game was the second golf game I'd ever owned. Mm-hmm. But the first one that was zany, rabbit ears, mm mm-hmm and actually just a lot of fun. It was an arcade game, and it was easy to tell what was going on most of the time.
0: And this does look like it's a pretty fun game, actually. It's got like it's got ten holes or so, I think, in the game. We only get two of them here, because the rules are that they've got five strokes each. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see why now Dominic Diamond wanted to do this one. <laughs> <laughs> five strokes to a finish. Yeah.
4: Joining me for even more punishment in the pulpit is Tim Boone from Computer and Video Games Magazine. Welcome back, there? Tim. Thanks. Now, what's general tips you could give the players for zany golf? Oh, world? Well, there's always something going to come at you, give you some trouble.
0: Basically, play like a lunatic. Um, Tim Boone is in the pulpit for more punishment, as Dominic Diamond puts it. And his only bit of advice is that play like a lunatic. Absolutely. And this
3: game is a lot of fun to play. And it looks fun. It's not gripping viewing.
0: Because to be blunt... Neither of these two are actually particularly good at it. I was going to say, Nigel balls up his first shot, something spectacular. His first two shots. (laughs) Adam does pretty well on the first one. Strength is not his forte on this game. His accuracy is not terrible, but his strength is very, very bad.
3: Well, there's something that I think we get a bit of in the post-match interview. Which is, this is the first time we actually see the setup they're using for playing mouse games. That's true, actually, yeah. Where it's a lectern at a 45 degree angle made of wood.
0: Yeah, he does say that the mouse feels different than it is at home. I'm not surprised his wrist is up like that. It's a chunky old mouse as well. Oh, that is, that's a proper Amiga mouse.
3: proper, proper mouse, that. That is, that's got, that's, that, I hope they clean the lint out before <laughs> handing that over. Because that is in the era when mice still had balls. <laughs>
0: Uh you can see that Adam is concentrating so so hard when he is playing this game.
3: He's chewing his lip yeah. and uh, and yeah, he's he's trying his hardest, bless
0: him. My heart goes out to the kid. His dad gets the uh, the bonus stroke by getting into the windmill, uh but Adam looks very very pleased with himself as he wins the first hole, even poking out his uh tongue at his dad to be like, "Nah, I won."
3: Yeah, there's a a lot of interesting shots of tongues over the last couple of episodes of this season. (laughs) I have notes. Um, But no, he looks very pleased with himself. And then we're on to the second hole. But by this time, both of them have wasted most of their shots. Yeah, totally. Arguably, that first hole should have been two, maybe three strokes done. Mm -hmm. And for them, it wasn't. They both faffed it a bit. I think a lot of it for both of them was, again, playing at a 45-degree viewing angle. Because I bet you, if they were rehearsing in the green room, they didn't have the mouse at a 45-degree angle. Yeah, and think that's probably fair enough. And I'm wondering, if he was using the mouse for it, did that also affect the Heimdall challenge?
0: Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had back in episode three or four. Which yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: Because, again,
0: especially if you're not used to a mouse, that's gonna impact. Mm. So we get onto our second hole where you've got to bounce off walls. You got say so there's one wall in particular that you've got to try and bounce it off at a 45 degree angle to then get down into the hole. And Adam does miss pretty much all of the walls, but somehow does still manage to get down mm. the slope. Whereas his dad Nigel, bomb straight, perfect, hits it, and then he gets a hole in one. If he'd have got that, crowd would have gone eight because that yeah. would have been pretty spectacular. But uh, unfortunately, Adam's only got one stroke left. And he misses it. And his dad sinks the putt. And I think... <laughs> he breathes a sigh of relief that he did not lose to a child on national television. <laughs> and that's it. That's the challenge over. That's it. Challenge over.
4: Congratulations, Nigel. You struggled at the start, but that was some shot you pulled out of the windmill at the start. That turned the game, didn't it? Well, I thought I'd lost it, but um, excellent show through in the end, doesn't it? Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Adam, what do you have to say to that? Well... Um, I tried to, but um, the mouse was still a bit funny. It wasn't like when he was at home. Mm. Even at home, the mouse button wasn't that good. on a good day, you think you could give your dad a pasting? Yeah. (laughs) Okay.
3: Now, you say he didn't lose to a child on television, but you get the two of them stood there for the post-match interview. At that point, the last shot that we saw of Adam sat in the kind of gaming chair. He looked miserable as he sin already. He did not look happy. He looked tired as well. Mm. I mean, they were long shooting days. We talked about the shooting schedule before. So he probably was quite tired and he just lost to his dad in front of a bunch of jeering teenagers that were yeah. all playing hooky from school. And so he stood there and that's when Dominic asks him and says, you know, what went wrong? And he just, he, he kind of misses the question but starts talking about the mouse being funny and the buttons not being right. That's exactly it, yeah. And I'm with him on that because even if the button buttons were fine, you're holding the mouse at a weird angle. And then Dominic Diamond, his heart grows three sizes. He <laughs> pretends to have an earpiece. Yeah. I'm fairly certain at no point
0: does he have an earpiece. <laughs> oh, and 100%. And I always wonder like, if it was started off, like he made this decision because when he interviews Nigel, he, said, like, he goes, I thought you'd lost it. And he goes, yeah, I thought I lost it too, but... Excellent shone through, and that, that was the point. <laughs> that was point. Oh, you mother, you <laughs> f- wow. dick. And then—I um,
3: mean, Adam's dad technically was a mother. <laughs> f- I suppose. Yes.
4: Well, the best golfers win the best prizes, and this is no exception because the winner here has won a special GamesMaster Golden Joystick, and that goes to. Oh, hang on a minute. We've just had—we've uh, just had a last-minute judges' decision in fact, and. Nigel has been disqualified for being far too old to play video games in the first place. So I'm afraid the golden goes to Adam. Uh,
0: but Dominic Diamond does say, "Yeah, he gets a, a message in his earpiece to say <laughs> that uh, we do have a winner, but it's not Nigel though. He's been disqualified for being too old to play video games." This made me laugh, and then I worked out
3: how old Nigel was and how old I am, and I'm like, "Wait a minute." <laughs>
0: Nigel looks genuinely upset that he didn't win. He does. He's just like, yeah. He he he
3: he, he looks like he's about to cry. Adam, meanwhile, is just
0: ecstatic. He's lovely because he gets he gets the
3: joystick of Dave the Monk Perry and. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I reckon Nigel definitely asked it for it back. Like when they got when they got out to the back, he was like, "No, but it is mine though. Like I did win." <laughs> and that's when the monk just appears behind him with a baseball bat, shaking his head, yeah. "No." When they get home and they put it up on that mantelpiece, he's telling all of his friends that it is his. Yeah, he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I asked them to
3: refilm the ending just for his sake." <laughs> yeah. It was a bit cheesy, but you know what? It was actually kind of a fun moment, and yeah. I'm sure as a kid, I appreciated the whole "You're too old to be playing video games." As someone that is now technically, uh, by that standard, too old to be playing
4: video games, thank <fuck Wow>. you. <laughs> the theme for this week is sports games. First up on the Mega Drive, experience some awesome gridiron action in John Madden '92. Touchdown. John Madden 91 really was the best sports simulation for me of last year, Well, John Madden 92 looks like being the best for this year. It's taken all the basics, the great graphics, the great sound effects of the first game and made them
0: even better. Instant replay is a must, check it out.
1: It's similar to John Madden 91, uh, but it's got a bit more of a sense of humour and, like, the ambulance comes on if a player's injured and practically runs over the whole team.
0: Excellent. Lots of, lots of things to do. Brilliant in two players. Excellent in one player. Get it now. So our theme for the reviews this week is sports games to spend your pennies on. Bollocks. <laughs> uh, we've got Chris Kelly, Harry Hewland, and Paul Rand from CVG, our only journalist in the bunch this week. And up first is John Madden 92 for the Mega Drive. John Madden 92, or rather
3: John Madden in general, I think was one of the first games to become what is now the annual... Series. It was also an EA title, but the idea that there would be one every single year with, for the most part, nominal increases. Little bits of improvements along the way, but the first one was 1989, mm. and they've just released the 30th one this year. So it's yeah, been yeah. going for 30 years, still with John Madden sponsorship, and from 1994's, they actually had NFL licensing, because up until 94, it was John Madden, so they had his name and his face and his voice. All the teams and all the players were
0: completely fictional. Not that most of us in the UK would know, really. No, absolutely not. Because that was Sega's big thing. Like, when they first started and they were trying to compete against Nintendo, they were trying to do it through celebrity likenesses. That's why they got Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, and they got the boxing game with... I can't remember who the boxer was now, but they they signed him on because he was on a big undefeated streak, and then the day before they launched it, he got knocked out and made a fool of on TV. And they thought, oh dear, this game might not not sell well now. Um, But but yet, John Madden was again one of those things, where they were like, we're selling it on the celebrity name as well as the cool game. Like, yeah, Nintendo's got this massive library, but we've got Spider-Man, and we've got Ghostbusters, and we've got John Madden, we've got Michael Jackson. And Mickey Mouse. Mickey, yeah, 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 absolutely. And also an amazing...
3: That thing, at that point, Nintendo... Weren't kings of the arcade. They were in the early 80s. They obviously had Donkey Kong, they had Mario to a degree, but they had some great games. But some of the arcade ports that were coming to the Mega Drive as well, mm-hmm. like Golden Axe, yeah, yeah. Outrun.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, this game got massive reviews as well. Megatech gave it 95% and a Hyper Game Award saying you'll enjoy <laughs> it even if you don't care much for the sport. And in October 1992, the magazine Mega placed it at number one in their top Mega Drive games of all time. I wish I liked this game. I want to
3: because I see people playing it and I see people talking about it with such reverence and love. And I'm like, I wish I got it. I don't look at this game and fail to understand what people find appealing about it. I see what people love about them. There is, as is mentioned in this review, there's bits of humor when the ambulance comes on and it's fast paced and it goes. And if you know the sport, then you can really take advantage of it and you can really get in depth. So I can see everything that people love about it. And I wish I did. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. Man. I, I want to. I want. Maybe I'll go back and revisit it under emulation, off the back of this, and maybe I will pick up this John Madden '92, and I'll go. Yes, I get it now but yeah. chances are
0: slim. <laughs> well, Chris Kelly uh, said that Madden 91 was the best sports simulation last year, and 92 will be the best this year. Took all the basics and made them better. Harry says the game's got a great sense of humour, as you mentioned there, and Rand just says it's brilliant all round. It's it 95%. Stonker of that, a score. That's our highest review score we've had thus far. That beats our Indiana Jones and the uh, Face of Atlantis, which I think was our highest one, our previous highest. One last little fun fact about John Madden is that the 94 version
3: was also the first game in the series to feature the classic EA Sports in, in the game. game.
0: Yeah, that was it, where it began. It was my, I was at university, it was EA
3: Sports. They're all the same. Whereas now it's EA Sports. It's in the microtransactions that will bankrupt you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not letting that one go. Topical. Topical. <laughs> Best thing is, people could be listening to this in the year 2022. <laughs> it will still be relevant unless some serious international law changes, in which case, I'm happy to be wrong.
4: Next up on the Game Boy, one-on-one action as you rim and slam dunk with the best of them in NBA All-Star Basketball. All the characters in the NBA are there. Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Patrick Ewing. you sport for choice, really. And it really is good value.
1: All-Star Basketball could be a good game for you if you're, like, one-on-one. But if you're looking for a normal game of basketball with two teams, then it's not worth it.
4: It's not basketball, it's one-on-one, run about, run up to the basket, throw the ball, and that's it.
0: Up next, we've got NBA All-Star Basketball for the Game Boy. Rim and slam dunk with the best of them, says Dominic Diamonds. High point of filth for this season, (laughs) I think. A rimming joke, you're not going to get much filthier than that. No. Uh, Kelly says that all of the... I love this. All of the characters from the nba are all here bugs bunny daffy (laughs) Duck, bill murray uh he said it's good value but uh harry points out that it's it's only really good for one it's not an actual nba game it's not a basketball game it's just one-on-one playing hoops it's not even nba jam yeah It's a a few years later, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it's
3: accessible. By making it one on one, so it is just you you have a very simplified rule set to go against. It does make life a lot easier. Perfect for the Game Boy. It's perfect for the Game Boy. But no, I think calling it all star basketball is reaching Mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah. Just like NBA Jam at no point says this is
0: basketball, it says it's NBA Jam. Yeah, Uh, but it scores 69%. Nice.
4: Finally, on the Amiga. Thrilled to the sound of leather on willow and the feel of a googly or two in Graham Gooch Cricket. I'm a big cricket fan and I like the idea of a cricket simulation, but somehow I don't think Graham Gooch Cricket really does the sport full justice. From what I've seen, it's just
0: stand in the middle of the pitch, wiggle the joystick or the mouse and hope for the best. Uh, Not what I'd call demanding. And lastly, uh, thrill to the sound of leather on willow and feel a gully or two with Graham Gooch cricket on the Amiga. Basically, bobbins. Sixty <laughs>
3: percent <laughs> done. Yeah, done. That's yeah. it. And it's a shame because the game actually looks quite nice. Graphics are great. That's because they don't need to do much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is very static and very long-winded.
0: Yeah. Cricket as a sport is something I wish I understood. The video games haven't helped. No. Well, Rand says that you just wiggle the joystick and hope for the best. It's not demanding. As he said, 60%. Oof, ouch.
4: And finally, it's time to announce the winners of our Games Master Golden Goals competition on Kickoff 2. We were completely swamped with entries from all you out there who have scored in more spectacular fashion than I have in the past. We picked out what we consider to be the three best, and here they are in reverse order. In third place, Simon Reynolds from Harlow. A lovely, long, deep ball from midfield finds Arnold on the left. He takes it steadily into the middle and unleashes a left-foot rocket into the corner of the net. In second place, Ian Hollenby from North London. Butru Gueno picks up a through ball, dribbles past one player, sends the goal in the wrong way and the crowd into rapture. But the winner, who will receive two tickets to the Rumblers Cup final with a delightful move from his own penalty area, is Robert Moss from Hertfordshire. Teasing Toshak shows one side of the ball, then the other. Sends the defence into disarray and drills the ball home with a deadly display of finishing. Well done, Robert. And lastly,
3: it's the Kick-Off 2 competition, yeah. which I think they've mentioned once or twice and maybe it was cut out of the versions we saw which had all the adverts trimmed out of. But I'm not sure where all these
0: entrants came from. I'm almost willing to claim a rig job on this. <laughs> yeah, I, we had it once on the episodes that we have seen. They've not mentioned it again since. So I'm willing to bet that it was just mentioned once and then they brought it back. And I thought they would do it on the final episode as a way to sort of like round up the series.
3: Yeah, maybe they wanted to end on the, as we mentioned, the Super Nintendo because that was going to be the most current bit of news they could end on. But also I'm looking at this going, okay, as a kid, I'm fairly certain I recorded some video games to VHS. These all look remarkably clean and like they were put through some professional grade capture. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. I'd happy to be wrong, but I will say that the goals were very high quality. Mm, yeah. These were football games. These were the style of football games I like. I like kickoff. I like sensible soccer. I can still play a more accurate football simulation now, but I do like a bit of arcade footy. Yeah, totally. Especially multiplayer. Yeah. You put me against a computer, I'll get bored very easily. Me and you were to sit down and play some sensible soccer. Bants. Hours
0: of. Bants for hours. Bants, yeah. Crash Bantaku all day long. Uh, Simon Reynolds <laughs> from Harlow Gaming. <gave> me- <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so in third, we have Simon Reynolds from Harlow, which is a name that I, I just recognized. I almost felt like we'd had him as a contestant before. I, I haven't gone back to check, but I don't think he is. It's just like, I just almost feel like I've heard that name said on this show before. And he is a long ball to the forward who just smacks it right into the back of the net. Uh, Ian Holloway from North London dribbles the ball through the whole team to get his goal. But in first place... It's Robert Moss from Hertfordshire, who won tickets to the Rumblows Cup and he dribbles from his own penalty box and scores. It's actually a really good goal.
3: It was a really good goal, but do you know what the most amazing thing about this entire competition was? What's that? Rumble's <laughs> <laughs> names
0: I hadn't thought of. Well, let's head on over to Gamesmaster to find out what our celebrity challenge is for this week's episodes. Hello again. For the second challenge this week,
5: I thought we might take the liberty of indulging in a spot of boxing. The game I've chosen is Final Blow. And your task, oh dear, I say it, is simply to pummel your opponent into submission as quickly as possible. the building stuff indeed. So keep your guard up, keep your punches high, and may the best man win.
0: We are playing Final Blow Boxing with the very simple instruction pummel your opponent into submission. It's
3: a fairly simple instruction. It's also fairly accurate for most arcade boxers. Uh, the boxer in question, Final Blow, was originally an arcade game by Taito. Mm-hmm. Taito? Taito. Taito? Yeah. Taito? Taito?
0: Well, <laughs> let's call the whole thing up. <laughs> I had a conversation with an old Japanese man when I was out in Japan. Um, we were down uh, uh, Piss Alley in uh, Shinjuku? I think it was in Shinjuku. Is it called Piss Alley because it smells of piss? Uh, no, it's just because like, there's lots of bars and stuff. My, my wife and I were there and we were having some food and I was there using my chopsticks, and this old Japanese man uh, sort of tapped me on the shoulder. Uh, to ask me, in very broken English, where I learned to use chopsticks, because I'm really good. And so, all of a sudden, I'm like, voiceover, I'm like, hello, mate, absolutely. So I I explained back to him that, you know, in in England, when you go to Chinese restaurants and stuff, they just give you chopsticks. So I just sort of, I was self-taught. And then he was showing me how to hold them, and it was at that point, then I realized he was telling me off, because I was not respecting chopsticks. I was just picking them up uh, very rudely. Um, and he was correcting me on how to do that. Uh, it was my manners were very bad. But I had a conversation with him because he lived in Taito. And he was explaining to us, like, in Very breaking English about how it's uh, pronunciations of certain words. We were very bad. We were very British. We were running letters. Whereas in Japan, it is like, Taito. Which is why they, at the start of their games, when, like, you play uh, Buster Move, is Taito. Hmm. Rather than saying Taito. It is Taito. Okay. It was it's all about the enunciation. Now so you just saying that then just completely reminded me of that because I knew that's how it's pronounced. It's a great anecdote. I'm just curious, out of this entire experience
3: with this old Japanese man, did you still have your wallet at the end? <laughs> I did, Because <yes. laughs> I don't know why, but maybe it's just my incredible cynicism was I was just thinking that while he was lecturing you on chopsticks, his hand
0: was just going, wallet, <laughs> phone. I mean, even if he did, there was mouse in there. He yeah, would have been very disappointed. <laughs> maybe he put it back. <laughs> put a couple of hundred yen in
3: and just like, I'm putting that back. This is embarrassing. <laughs> Poor lad. But... Um, outside the US, the game uh, gained some branding from Buster Douglas. Yeah, Buster Douglas, that's who I was thinking of earlier. I know, I, le- I le- kind of let you out to dangle because I knew <laughs> we'd come back to it because that's when Sega got big in on that because he just defeated Mike Tyson. That's
0: the one. Who was on
3: Punch-Out, Yes, and so Sega used it as part of their Sega Do What Nintendon't do campaign. Yes, that's it. Blind of a move, though. And the only real issue with it is that actually the game featured in multiple top 10 worst Mega Drive games of all times. <laughs> yeah. I will say it looks good. Oh yeah, the graphics are super cool. The graphics look beautiful. Um, I was particularly enamored with the uh, backlit audience, mm-hmm. the way they did that to make the audience look super big and deep, but actually minimizing the amount of colors that needed to be used by having them just in silhouette. Yeah, And the sprites looked nice and big and chunky, and the referee was always moving backwards and forwards and checking. The blows sounded really heavy Chunky. and weighty yeah I can only assume that it played
0: terribly well I mean this looked like you just twat buttons and hope that your lad goes down yeah yeah that I mean that that's what it looked like here and it just felt like the, the two people got playing this game that just felt like that's what they were doing
3: I'm fairly certain at least one of the shots of them playing Barry wasn't even holding the joystick he was just twatting the buttons and the joystick <laughs> was just standing free and proud yes so to speak <laughs> so to speak one of the joysticks in use in during these last couple of episodes was bright pink. <laughs> I can't imagine it to be an accident. Yeah.
0: Uh, so you mentioned Barry there. That is our celebrity this week. It is British and European, or well, former British and European, featherweight champion, the clone cyclone, Barry McGuigan, taking on Gary Wilson from Aldershot. Shots. Barry McGuigan,
3: no stranger to video games in theory, because he had Barry McGuigan's world championship boxing, which unlike... This game was very well received. It was a classic. I had it on the Amstrad, and even on the limited capacity of that, it was a cracking boxing game. Yeah, i was
0: surprised they didn't bust that out. Really, I think it I, was slightly older it, at that point. It, it, even it, so, like you know, there's some games that we've had on this where they, you know, they originally came out in '88 before it got ported in like 1990.
3: This raises an interesting question, which I don't think we've considered before: Did they have free reign on what games they could use, uh, or did they have yeah. to get permission? To license them. Because this is pre-streaming. Nowadays, within reasons of most copyright, you can stream whatever you want on Twitch or YouTube. Replays might be an issue if they contain licensed music. But for the most part, you've got free reign. But back then, what were the rules? Because... They were, by virtue of being on a commercial television station, monetizing Mm -hmm. someone else's intellectual property, which is where we had issues a year or so ago with Nintendo and streamers, because they were taking exception to people doing YouTube videos and streams or saved streams of their videos because of the monetization. Yeah. Can you imagine the embarrassment of like, we got Barry McGuigan on, goes from publishers. Can we use Barry McGuigan's boxing? No. Final blow it is
0: then, okay. (laughs) The Buster Douglas game, I guess. (laughs) Uh, So Barry made it into the final 16 of the 1980 Russian Olympics as an amateur, uh, won British and European titles in 82. There was an Irish ballad released by Big Tom about him in 1984 that was called Clone Cyclones. Ah. he was voted BBC Sports Personality of the Year in 1985 retired in 87 after the passing of his father but returned for a couple of fights in 88 and 89 uh, looked at his record 35 fights 32 wins 28 by knockout and only 3 losses
3: that's pretty damn incredible and the thing that I also take away about him seems like a really lovely yeah, bloke he's salt of the this. earth yeah. pint down the pub yeah. cup of tea you know, he'd hold the door open. It would be nice. I just I just warmed to him immediately. Totally, absolutely. And also used to I also used to see him on Question of Sport quite often as well. Wasn't a fan of Question of Sport, but I'd catch the, either the beginning or the end, depending on what was on
0: afterwards. Fed Dwarf, yeah. usually on BBC Two. Lastly on Barry, he was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame and the World Boxing Hall of Fame, both in 2005. So, an incredible career this man has had, but he cannot match up to Gary's lovely sweater.
3: I was going to say, there's some amazing fashion choices on display. Gary has a lovely cable knit jumper on it. It's oh. chunky. It just looks comfortable and needed in that church, which apparently was pretty bloody cold. Oh, yeah. Which does make Nigel's sleeveless shirt earlier an even <laughs> it's a bold, bolder choice. It's a
0: bold decision.
3: <laughs> yeah. Maybe you was thinking, oh, I'm going to be in a TV studio. I'll be sweating my balls off. Yeah. no, No. no. Absolutely not. No. So, yeah, he has the cable knit. Barry... Has what looks to be some kind of satin jacket. Yeah. I tell you what, if those two tussled in the car park, sparks would fly. (laughs) Yes. Very good. It's
4: no crash bandicoot, but I'll take (laughs) what I can. Now, Gary, if I could turn to you first, how confident are you for this fight? Have you been training hard? Yeah, I'm quite confident. I've been training really hard, you know, after six every morning, taking the steroids every day. <laughs> OK, well, let's see what you're opponent has to say. It's Gary. Uh, Barry, you're a bit of a games player to yourself, aren't you? I'm a bit of a pretender. I think Gary here is a bit of an expert. But I've had this game for a while and I've tried to... I've got a seagull. My son's got a seagull at home and we've been playing it together. Unfortunately, he's been knocking me out all the time. Uh, OK, well, let's have a good, clean fight and come out boxing.
0: Uh, Dominic Diamond, in this era where they weren't doing retakes, um, calls Barry Gary... <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, they un- did multiple shots of some of the challenges, but a word. Yeah, I know it's unfair as well. Getting Barry versus Gary. Of course, Dominic was going to slip up at one point. I mean, they could have been a great double act, a la Chuckle Brothers. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Um, Barry's also got a um, a lovely tash actually, uh, and he says that he and his son have been playing this game at home, but his son keeps winning, which does not uh, inspire a lot of confidence in Barry McGuigan playing this game.
3: I'd say, or maybe he was trying to be a ringer, but knowing where the challenge goes, no. <laughs> yeah.
4: Well, we can taste the tension here at ringside. Will the young pretender from Aldershot tame the cloness cyclone? For this and many other brutal climaxes, please join us after the break.
5: Good morning. Morning. Look, um, about last night. You don't have to explain. Laura's just an old friend. I understand. I'll call you. Sure. Excellent coffee.
4: Thank you. And the intriguing presentation. Perhaps we might discuss it uh, over dinner.
0: Golden roasted, richer, smoother Nescafé Gold Blend.
5: Happy about the meeting.
4: Sorry, he ran again this time.
0: Problems?
5: No, just an old friend.
4: Isn't it typical? You get stuck into your favourite Sega games when your Amstrad Mega PC, speakers blasting out in Sega
5: stereo and... Sorry, son, I need to use a PC. I've got work to do.
0: So he uses a 386 SX computer running at 25 megahertz for word processing, database,
4: spreadsheets. What a waste of 40 megabytes of hard drive. The new Amstrad Mega PC, just £999.99. Brilliant for business,
0: mega for games.
5: Entertaining can sometimes be a, bit of a drag. That's why I insisted on a new gas-built-in oven. OK, Jonathan, pizzas are ready. It's got a ceramic grill, which means you have a large area to cook with. On the outside, it stays cool, and on the inside, it helps clean itself.
1: Unlike this lot.
5: But the best thing is it has a fan-assisted oven, which gives it an even temperature throughout. just love
4: being in control. Welcome back to Games Master. If you've just joined us, the tension here is intense as young Gary Wilson from Aldershot attempts to take on the might of Barry McGuigan in a fearsome boxing contest. We've
0: got Tom Watson from Renegade in the pulpit. Watson calls this an all-action game and... This is all action. This is just punch, 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 punch. Very little blocking. Some of them go down. Some of them stand up. Some of them punch. Some of them fall down. Yeah, uh, Gary won, uh, I think is the, 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 what we're trying to get to here. Um, we, they did make it through the first round, but it was quite clear that this was not going to go much longer than this second round.
3: No, McGuigan did get an early knockdown. Mm. He, he did decisively twat him in the face and... The kid went down and that was it. That was
0: that was done. My favourite thing about this is Barry is counting along at the end. And I think that he thinks he's winning. And I think he is counting the victory, not realising that his character is on the floor. See, I thought
3: he was counting because he was just like, well, that's it, not realising that actually you can hammer the sh** <laughs> out of the buttons to try and get back up. I'm actually assuming you can, because that's pretty much how every single boxing, wrestling, MMA... Whatever the hell type game works, you get knocked down, you waggle your joystick, you thumb your buttons, mm-hmm.
0: you try and get back to your knees. Yeah, this is why I suck at the current WW2K games. None of that lucky going on anymore. Well, also the games are terrible. Well, there's that as well. Yeah.
4: Congratulations, guys. We in the comedy box thought you were out of the fight. You were knocked down very, very early, but somehow you managed to pull back. Yeah, I thought I was out too, but you know, basically thought I've got to go down with fight, so jumped in. The old fire button's blazing and come out on top. Commiserations to the loser now. Barry, like we say, we thought it had gone the way of most of your fights. You had the measure of your man from the start, but then it slipped away. I thought I had him in the first round there. I had him down. I got a bit overconfident and I got cocky and I got caught. Bang, the fight was over.
0: Gary thought that he was out of the game at one point, but if he was going down, get the fire button blazing. Uh, Dominic Diamond says that Barry had the measure of his man, but just got caught out. Uh, and Barry, I love this is where he just goes like, I got overconfident after that first round. That yeah. was, I thought it was a really like, fun interview, a really fun post-match interview. You can tell which of the sporting celebrities were used
3: to being on the pundit circuit. Yeah, Annabelle Craft is obviously the, the probably, I think, the top yeah. celebrity
0: guest of this entire season. Completely. She has set a high bar.
3: I'd say Barry is actually probably tying second with the Fash.
0: Mm, yeah, I think actually, yeah. Fash was a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, Fash, yeah. fash was also good... At uh, walking the walk and talking the talk. Yeah, but I think the problem is, is, that all three of those set the bar so high that when the bar was low, mm-hmm. Mason. Mm, yeah, oh. yeah uh. unfortunate.
0: It was a very simple challenge. Um, Dominic Diamond calls the joystick the gaming Oscar. I thought it was all right. It was it was perfectly fine stuff.
3: I did like that as Gary was getting the joystick and waving it around. Barry tried a bit of bit banter or business or something with the monk, and the monk was like F- it and walked <laughs> off. <laughs> He did. He just, as the monk turned around, Barry went to do something with the monk, and the monk just kept going, and Barry turns around and goes, oh, I don't know, then. <laughs> oh, so. Thought I was having a bit of fun. Turns out I've upset a monk.
4: Hello, gamesmaster.
5: Welcome to my kingdom. In Mistlegear. gear, I keep getting lost in the maze zones. Is there an easy way out? Hmm, mazes. Um, I'm rather partial to a maze or two. You simply need to explore, young man, then memorise the correct route. If I remember correctly... Now, let me see. Left. Left. Up, then left. Will enable you to get through this particular
0: maze zone and progress to the following buildings. Thank you very much. Well, please don't get lost. Right into the consultation zone we go, and our first chap is lost in the maze zone of Metal Gear. Uh, what he's talking about is the jungle at the start of the game, uh, which you go left, left, up, and left, and that will get you out of this maze. It is a bastard of a maze, though. Well, yeah, and it's not meant to be there, either. I swear the most interesting thing about this is because this was a game that was made for the MSX2 uh, mm. out in Japan, and then they wanted to do a port of it over onto the Nintendo, and apparently, well, according to Kojima, the port was developed by another Konami division, and they were given the source code without his permission, um, and I don't think they had the consent of the original team No, or they something. did not. No, yeah. this is
3: like when Kojima airs his dirty laundry, he really
0: <laughs> goes for it, and yeah,
3: he's still very bitter about this, I think.
0: Oh, totally. This feels like, like the Yuji Naka situation in uh, Sega, which we get a couple of years later when they took his Knight's engine to try and make the 3D Sonic game, and he was very, very upset about that. Um, but many changes were made during the porting process, which is why we've got this Bit at the start this isn't meant to be the start of the game in the jungle where they they, they parachute you in um it's an underwater infiltration i think at the start of the game instead
3: yeah it, but it was one of two directives the porting team had was one make it as different to the original as possible which is like we've got this really great game make it different yeah and the other three months three month deadline to do this entire port And also have to deal with limitations of the NES and the mapping engine, which is why the big boss at the end is no longer a big boss, it's a computer.
0: Yes. Yeah,
3: Metal Gear's not even in the game. Yeah. (laughs) What is Metal Gear? We just don't know. We
0: just don't know. Yeah, Kojima's completely disowned that game. And quite rightly so, the NES port's not that great.
3: The really fun bit of trivia comes that we did get a um, MS-DOS and Commodore 64 port which now you'd think, well, the obvious source for the port would be the MSX2 version, yeah? 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 No. (laughs) Because it was never localised, the Western home computer versions were ported from the NES. (laughs) What an absolute shower. We really should have guessed what was going to happen to Konami down the line, given those sort of antics. Now it's Pachinko, and that's about it.
0: Hello, Games Master.
5: Hello to you, young man. In Mega Man 2, I'm having real trouble killing Dr Wily in his alien form. Can you help me? Yes, I'm sure I can. Quite obviously, dear boy, you're not using the bubble lead. Only by using the bubble lead can you dispose of Dr.
0: Willy when he's in the alien form.
4: All right, I'll try that. Thanks.
0: Our second chap is stuck on killing Dr. Wily in his alien form in Mega Man 2. Use the bubble weapon mate to kill Dr. Willy as, uh... (laughs) as Games Master says because he's just reading off a prompter of what he needs to say he sees that word, is like ah Dr. Willy I see you say Wily I say Willy (laughs) let's call the whole thing thing off off.
3: I'm not surprised he needs help because as we previously documented defeating a Mega Man game without insistence is just impossible so difficult yes Adam I saw your tweet even for you
4: (laughs) hello
5: Games Master I always get killed by the Blue Lobster whenever I play The Revenge of Shinobi how can I kill him Well, you need to show a little initiative, young man. When you enter the chamber, jump onto the left-hand wall. Then, as he attacks and lowers his sword, you need to jump, somersault, and shoot. If you repeat this procedure a number of times, you will overcome this villainous shellfish. Thank you very
0: much. Well, you will find it really does have results. Uh, and our third and final lad was my favourite this week who uh, keeps getting killed by the blue lobster in Revenge of Shinobi and Enzi goes how can I kill him <laughs> it really made me laugh
3: it was, it was great and the thing is, is when I first saw this I was just like why is he calling him a blue lobster and it's because in the game he is actually a blue lobster yeah. It's like that is what he's called yeah revenge of shinobi such a good game it's amazing game. Oh.
0: oh it's so so good um i, I mean cause i had it because it was part of mega games 2 i think which had uh revenge of shinobi streets of rage and golden axe i think as like a as a, a trilogy of games in one cards that's a great card to get your hands on when you're you're seven years old and revenge of shinobi going through getting unlimited shurikens which is the only cheat i can still remember to this day what is it you go to the menu, go down to the shuriken number, and I think you hold down A and hold down left. Use like You set it to zero, and then you hold down A, and I think you hold down left, and then the two zeros can join together to make the infinity symbol. Oh, that's smooth. That's yeah, nice. A nice little sound effect with it as well.
3: See, I love this game, but I love it sometimes for all the wrong reasons. Are you aware of how many different versions of this game there are? Oh,
0: there are so many different versions. Are you aware
3: Batman? We've got Godzilla, we've got Spider-Man. My favourite thing about all these different versions is the reason why they exist is because the game's designer essentially went, yes, because I ran out of ideas, I did some sketches based on what other things I was looking at. Turns out the designer just saw them, didn't think to change them, took it literally. (laughs) So we have four versions. Of Shinobi. The first one, 1989, version one, there were enemy characters. One that looked like Rambo, mm-hmm. who was called Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> there you Why go. Why not? One that looked like Jackie Chan, a version of the Terminator called Hercules. Which might be a reference to Hercules in New York. There was Spider Man, who halfway through the battle turned into Batman. That's right. And something called Monster G that I can't possibly guess <laughs> could be a reference to. But both Spider-Man and Batman are actually fake representations uh, conducted by a shapeshifter. So I guess let that one yeah. slide. Then there was version 1.01, which is where the fake Spider-Man was actually the licensed Spider-Man because they got the license for Marvel Comics and uh, they didn't have a license for Batman. So he turned into kind of almost like a devil man mm-hmm. kind of creature. And they changed a couple of other enemies, including removing the likeness to Rambo, despite the fact that Sega did hold
0: the Rambo license, because yeah.
3: they released Rambo 3. Then there was version 102, which was mostly the same, but included a copyright notice to acknowledge Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Then there was version 103, which was the penultimate version, where Monster G stopped looking like some other Japanese lizard and became a skeletal dinosaur. And then version 104, which was released for the emulation market and the Wii marketplace in 2009 and 2012 they redesigned spider-man they changed all the other licensed stuff they did a palette swap I think he's pink or purple or something yeah. and they essentially made it as lawsuit friendly as possible <laughs>
0: <laughs> wicked game though oh it's a blind of game um I I've, I've felt like uh, Billy big balls as well here because when this guy is going how do I kill him I already knew the answer get up on top, jump up and do your little somersault move and you throw out the shurikens, which is why getting unlimited shurikens is good because you're throwing out like six in one go. Mm. Uh, Just keep doing that when he throws his sword down.
3: See, if this game had been released like a good 10, 15 years later, he'd know because he'd have seen Revenge of the Sith and so would have known you always have to have the The higher ground. ground. Anakin clearly never played this game.
4: (laughs) Now for our final challenge,
5: let's see what Games Master has planned. Ninja warriors have been conspicuous by their absence from the programs to date, so I've decided to put that right with Shadow Dancer. Your task is to guide the warrior and his faithful hound through the second and third levels of burning downtown Brooklyn in two and a half minutes without losing life. You will need to rescue all 11 hostages before destroying the reptilian end-of-level guardian. So keep your wits about you,
0: and don't trust anybody. Yeah, he thinks that we've not had enough ninja warriors on this show, so we're amending that with Shadow Dancer for the Mega Drive. An amazing game! He says they're conspicuous by their absence. Of course they are. They're sodding ninjas. You can't see them!
3: Even if you are a giant mechanoid Patrick Moore, they're still ninjas.
0: Yeah, so uh, our challenger has got to get through the first level without dying, and you've got to beat the end of level Guardian too. And our challenger is a very unique one. He is someone who has never played this game before, which I don't believe. Uh, and
3: I read that as never played this game before today. Well, he said, yeah,
0: he's never played this game. Yeah, perhaps because I was saying I thing as well, like never playing this game before. Isn't that uncommon on Games Master? We've had a lot of people say I've not played this game a lot or a lot of the celebrities have said they've never played it.
3: I mean, if he'd played some of the previous Shinobi games, he would probably still be pretty good. Him not playing it before would also explain why he doesn't make much use of the dock. Perhaps, yeah. He seems to use it once by accident because it's triggered by holding down a fire button. Yeah. And I'd have been using that dog way more. You yeah. know, there's a whole bits where he jumped back and forth to deal with enemies, where he could have just sick the dog in there, and it would have been a run through. It'd have been a lot quicker, actually. So yeah. maybe, maybe he hadn't played
0: it much. I was gonna say, I think my uh, playing it much, I think is probably a good way to put it. because my watching him play this, the reason why I thought that he had played this before is he knew to walk forward and then walk back to avoid the raw, uh, the falling rocks. Whereas I think because it's a one hit game as well, like you get mm. hit once and you're dead. I think if you had played this game before, you would just keep walking and get hit by those rocks.
3: I'd love it if it had been a pure (laughs) blind blaze playthrough and he just walked forward, boom, dead, done.
0: Challenge over, good night. Or it could be um, a Big Boy Barry situation where he did that and they were like, actually, I think we could probably do a retake on this. I reckon they probably gave him a shot
3: behind the scenes and said, you know, best make sure because it would have looked bad for Sega. And as I say, given that until this episode, I'd never contemplated the whole permissions to have games thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Who knows
0: what else was going on there? Exactly, because we have got a games-playing legend, SEGA European Games Playing Champion, Danny Curley.
4: Now, tell us, how did you become SEGA European Champion?
0: Well, SEGA sponsored a big national tour and held heats in every
4: city of the country. So I just entered and I won the heats, which sent me to the final. Now, you must practice a lot. How, how many hours a day do you spend playing games? Well, uh, recently it's been 10 hours a day because I've, I've got a job as a at Tatech software Company where he programmed computer games as a game tester. Oh, brilliant. That must be the perfect job for you then. Yeah, it is.
3: yeah, he uh won the title in a big old competition of who could get through the first level of Sonic the Hedgehog the quickest. Mm. Much like Big Boy Barry launched his gaming career. He later went on to be a QA tester for US Gold, which I think of as less of a job and more of a
0: punishment given some of the games <laughs> they turned up. Yeah, he talks about that in his uh, interview where he said that uh, Sega sponsored this national tour with heats in every city, and he won those heats to get to the final, and now he spends 10 hours a day playing games because he's a games tester. I did a bit of Googling for old
3: Danny just to see what he was up to, what I could find out. Couldn't find much of him now, other than he apparently uh, lived um, in London for quite a while, may still be around, obviously worked for US Gold, so and such and such. Found a thread on the Eurogamer website mm-hmm. asking if anyone knew what happened to him. And the Eurogame moderator said that he performs sexual acts for heroin, or more colloquially, sucks off tramps for skag. <laughs> Danny found this. Did he? Oh wow. Yeah, if you read down, Danny didn't Danny found this. Not only did he find it, he denied it vehemently,
0: <laughs> saying it was actually for cocaine. <laughs> This wouldn't be the last time that Danny and Dominic worked together. Not only did we get Danny returning in Series 2 for his, I think they call it the Curly Challenge, but he and Dominic Diamond made a VHS tape together that was called Power Play, released in 1993, which essentially was How to Be Good at Video Games.
4: Power Play will demonstrate a whole range of video games playing skills. Now note I use the word skills, not cheats. Cheats are sad, they're tragic. In fact, if you need to use cheats, you're probably the type of person whose lips move when they read. You will find no cheats on this video. What you will find is real, genuine skill, which will teach you. To do this, Danny Curly will pass on the benefits of his years of legendary games playing prowess. We'll sit together in a cozy, chummy conversation type situation, and we'll start with the basics. Proper joystick technique. Real button bashing, screen positioning, and weapons technique. Wow. Yeah, Dominic Diamond. See, from I- the
3: title, I was thinking
0: this sounds <laughs> This sounds like this is where all the wank jokes are coming from. <laughs> this is this is the dark project. No, it's all up on YouTube. You can go and find it. Yeah, Powerplay 1993. It's Dominic Diamond hosting, and he just essentially just defers to Danny on how you can play certain games and how you can get good at certain games. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking... When we get to the point when that's released, we should do a bonus episode. Absolutely. Reviewing Powerplay. It's a 45-minute video. Definitely. Uh,
3: I I reckon we can have a lot of fun with that. Yeah.
0: My first note, once we actually get into the challenge,
3: other than just noticing that I wrote Sonic T. Bog. (laughs) 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 This is the dangers of making notes on the Overground. (laughs) That sounds like Shinobi trying to get (laughs) around some (laughs) licensing issues. (laughs) But my first note on the actual challenge is... For someone who's never seen this game before today, Danny is remarkably on top of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I but mean, He But
0: he does use the dog once. He uh, does, yeah. The dog is one of the things this game is most fondly remembered for. I actually thought your first note was going to be the same as mine, which is that Neil West is not wearing his hat. I blanked on the fact it was Neil West because he wasn't wearing his hat. That's right, exactly. I thought it was someone new until they said, Neil. I was like, where's your hat, Neil? Yeah, I've written here, I already called BS that he's never played this game before because he knew those rocks were going to fall from the sky. But he makes it through and he rescues the hostages very competently. He's also playing that pad like it's an arcade. I was very happy to watch that because that
3: position that he's doing there, that's my Street Fighter position. Yes. The grip with the left, crab hand with the right. Yeah. That's the best way to play Street Fighter on a six-button array, which mirrors the Mega Drive's three buttons where you have the three and three, like the six button Mega Drive pad and like
0: some of the best fight pads available for modern consoles. Yeah. Uh, He gets to the final boss, well, the boss of this level, uh, uses his magic like Neil suggests and kills the baddie. It's a very, very quick challenge. Like he flies through this.
3: Even if he only saw the game, say the day of recording, It's a blinder of a run. And he's going so quickly that essentially the pundits are still offering advice or commentary. When it's like, oh, and he's coming up to the bar. Oh, he's he's done. done. He's done it. Yeah, he didn't waste any time. He saved the magic, which was a super smart move. Yeah, yeah. He made short work of it.
4: Danny, that was absolutely staggering. I know you're European champion, but even still, you just breezed through that. Were you worried at all? Yeah, a bit at first. What What was some of the most difficult things to overcome in the game? The rocks. Yeah. Down. <laughs> yeah, they did sneak up on you. Pretty craftily, yeah. really, there. Well, Carly, you're a legend already, but you have won the prize that even legends dream of—the Golden Games Master Joystick.
0: Yeah, Donny Diamond said that he breezed uh, through the challenge, uh, and Danny just says that the the rocks were really the only thing that uh, were, was a challenge to him. I imagine even if, say, okay, so let say let's say he had half an hour to
3: play it before recording, even getting to know where the rocks are, the exact timing. I'd say that when he, even though he dodged the rocks, he wasn't hundred percent confident.
0: There was a little bit of hesitation. Yeah. It's not like watching a speedrunner now who knows like exactly at what time things are going to fall.
4: So that sterling effort brings tonight's show to a climax. It's lemon verbena for me, and join us in seven days for another games master. Good night.
0: But even Legends dream of winning the Games Master Golden Joystick, and Danny has won himself one. As uh, so Dominic Diamond is putting on his smoking jacket and having himself a lemon verbena. And that's gonna do us for this week. Lemon verbena. Mm. I thought he said lemon
3: ribena. <laughs> I was really getting into it. I loved ribena. I was just like I don't I remember different flavours of ribena. I don't remember lemon, lemon ribena. One. <laughs> that must be a regional thing. It's only available in Scotland. <laughs> only available, yeah. Scotland or churches. <laughs> yeah
0: so that was this week's
3: episode what would you make of it three challenges three golden joysticks it was a satisfying episode yeah i'd say all the challenges were fun yeah they were good they were good challenges the review section while i wasn't overly enamored with some of them seeing something like madden 92 and seeing people love it so much that was great even taking into account the possible sources of those kickoff goals they were great goals Some interesting games in the consultation zone. Nice to see the original Metal Gear in there, even if it is the weird NES version. No, I'm very happy with this episode. I actually think that from start to finish, it's probably one of the most consistent episodes. It was a breeze to watch. It was very easy to watch. I think I'm going to go high with this one. I think I'm going to go to 90. God, big 90. They found their stride. Yeah. Even though they shot a lot of these segments out of order and pieced together the episodes afterward, which is why Dominic Diamond is wearing the same outfit in every (laughs) single episode. Everything just clicks together. The first challenge could have wobbled a bit, but Dominic brings it back around at the end by essentially going to the dad, nah, sod off. The kid's (laughs) getting the joystick. Byron McGuigan, an absolute joy. Yeah, he was good. Any other episode, he would have lit the place up. This episode, he just keeps the mood going, keeps it happy. Brilliant challenge at the end. Yeah, just really nice and comfortable throughout. Everyone feels like they know what they're doing.
0: Yeah, completely. Which is such a shame as we're ending next week.
3: <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's the way it goes. Yeah.
0: It takes the time to find its feet. Um, yeah, I, no, I agree with you. I thought this was a really strong, consistent episode. I'm going to go slightly out. I was going to go to 88 only because I was. Uh, while I really enjoyed Barry McGuigan, I did not enjoy the challenge as much because it was just smashing some buttons and some people fell down. I was I was less enthused by it, but I thought he was like really
3: good. You wouldn't have minded a boxing game, you might have liked one with a bit more
0: blocking and tactics. That's exactly it, yeah. Because yeah. I always look at Super Punch-Out as like, that's my gold standard of boxing games. So I'm going to go 88% on this one. Thoroughly enjoyed the episode. I think
3: now, if we take the average of 89, I think that's probably still the highest rated episode on a median
0: Yeah, so far. I was going to say, I think maybe episode one had a really high score. We should have written these down, to be honest. I mean, we've got them now. They're written in notes, but we're too lazy to go and check our own notes. Well, we're going to put on our smoking jackets and have ourselves some lemon Ribena, and we'll see you all in seven
3: days. I tell you what, you get the rivena, I'll get the Ribena, compare and contrast. (laughs) Take care.
0: For that information about the Under Consultation Club, you can follow us on Twitter at UnderConsultPod, and you can send your thoughts on each episode to feedback at underconsultation.com. You can also follow your hosts on Twitter at Cohen and at AshVersus. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a subscribe and a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from.